You see, John chapter 8, verse 38, the Bible says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen? You see, I grew up hearing, the truth shall set you free. But the truth can never set you free until you know the truth. If you do not know the truth, that opportunity for you to be set free can never come about. Amen? And so it's needful for us to understand and hear. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. So I just pray for you right now that every word that may stem forth from my mouth tonight, I pray that they won't be my words, but these will be the words of the Most High God. And as I speak tonight, that you will be able to take from it that which you need in this moment in time. And as you go back home, wherever you may find yourself after this service, that you will act upon the word and witness the power of God's transformation in your lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17, if you have your Bibles. have your Bible, Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17. Everyone there? Everyone there? Uh, the Bible says, but on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. I'll tell you that again. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Amen? Here the Bible makes a few promises. Firstly, that on Mount Zion, that there shall be deliverance, there shall be holiness, but the last one is where I'm actually going tonight, or where I want you to pay attention to. The fact that the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. In this Christian walk, in this thing we're doing with God, a lot of things get taken away from us very unlawfully. We get robbed of our possessions. What God has spoken over your life, if right now a prophet or any man of God was to come and say, Sam, you know, in two weeks' time, you, you're going to have your own business. And God forbid, imagine Sam lives for the rest of his life and never sees this word coming to pass. What's that all about? That's not because God is a liar. The Bible says God can never lie. Amen? God not lying is one of the two immutable things that Paul mentions in Hebrews. God can never lie. So if God comes and speaks a word and says, Sam, in two weeks' time, you will have your own business. And God forbid, Sam lives the rest of his life and he never sees this business come into fruition. 
where, what went wrong there? What happened? Did God lie? Or did something happen in the system? And this is what we're talking about in this series that we're, we're discussing here. Spiritual warfare. Someone say spiritual warfare. Guys, I want you to understand that this, this uh, thing we're in, as Ephesians chapter 6 makes very clear, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Do not ever, and I would advise you, to underestimate what the enemy can do to you. Don't underestimate it. I've heard oftentimes people say the best way to fight the devil is by assuming that he doesn't exist. My friends, that's a very self-sabotage mechanism. That's an easy way for him to pounce on you. For you to assume he doesn't exist, you'll get devoured. Amen? And so the question is, how do we go about reclaiming the possessions that Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17 makes mention of? Because this is our inheritance. Upon Mount Zion, there shall be a repossession. The house of Jacob shall repossess their possessions. So before I go anywhere, I just want us to just understand and just come to terms with the fact that the enemy is relentless in his pursuit to destroy you. Relentless. The Bible says in John 10.10, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And it wasn't just any person just saying these words. Let's understand that. So then if the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, then what am I supposed to do? What do I do? That's the question we ought to ask ourselves. Because we've been told elsewhere that we are victorious in Christ. And yet, we're having to face this reality of our possessions constantly being rubbed away from us. So how do we go about that? How do we go about that? And I asked God, I said to God, tonight, what do you want me to do? Come and explain the mechanisms of how the enemy works and how he operates and this and that. You know, as in go really in depth about this is how the enemy moves. And God said to me that it's needful for us to know such things. Because in fact, you know, you, you can't... Imagine if your iPhone or whatever phone you have, your intention is to fix that phone, right? The manufacturers or whoever is repairing that phone can never know how to go about repairing that phone without knowing how that phone was built in the first place. Does that make sense? So in order to effectively, I'm talking, contend against what the enemy comes to us with in terms of spiritual oppression and always um, just robbing us, constantly robbing us. God said to me, 
that tonight he just wants me to speak about one way of disempowering the devil. And trust me, if you listen and pay close attention tonight, and you see to it that you're not only a hearer of the word, but you say to yourself that when you leave this place, you will also be a doer of the word, as, the, as James chapter 1 says. Your life will never be the same. I don't think someone heard me. I said, your life will never be the same. Guys, there is power in the word of God. This, is, this, this thing here, uh, this is not a textbook. I want us to understand that. This is not a textbook. You read this to gain access to the true light who is Jesus Christ. John chapter 5 verse 39, the Bible says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you will have eternal life. And yet these are the words that testify of me. In other words, we can all read this Bible and think that it has the capacity to mend our wounds. You know, one time the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, he said to me that a lot of people tend to use the Bible as an opium for their, uh, for their, you know, their wounds. Essentially when you feel injured, you go and pick out the Bible and think, you read a couple of scriptures and that will kind of bandage up your wounds. You're deceiving yourself. If all you think I'm just trying to encourage us here. Let us not just read it as just words. Let's try to look a bit deeper into it. Amen? And see to it that we're making contact with the true word of God, who is Jesus Christ. You search the scriptures. The first time I was so rattled. So God, you mean to tell me that if I read a scripture and I'm not seeing you in it, that means I just read it? said to me, yes. There must be revelation behind what you're reading. So for one, one person, the word of God can hold so much power. This, this Bible here, this is my daily bread. I'm not saying that I read it vigorously, no. I'm saying that anytime I'm in, in a, a dampened situation, a situation where the storms of... Listen, when you, when you go through the storms of life, I think that's when you know the power in the word of God. And so this is where I run to. Not to human beings. There's, there's, there's a space for that. But I make contact with God first in his word. Amen? I just wanted to say that before we go anywhere because the power in the name of Jesus Christ. I mentioned Ephesians chapter 6 before and I'm, I'm sure that perhaps most of us are familiar with that scripture. But it talks a lot of putting on the whole armor of God, um, the shield of faith and all the breastplate of righteousness and then it goes through it in that, in that way. But then when you really read that scripture critically, you get to a point where it says, that you may be able to withstand, withstand, 
And then towards the very end, it says that at the end of it all, you may be able to stand. I read this one time and I said to myself, hold on. So after me putting on the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, as in waving about the sword of the spirit, you mean to tell me this is only enough for me to withstand, that I may be able to just stand firm. That's what the Bible says. I was like, God, where are we going with this? So you're essentially telling me that, you know, this is all for me to just, I, I saw it kind of pictorially. It was almost as if you're, you know how boxers, when they're boxing, you have to firm it. And that's what, that's the image that came to me when I read that scripture. I was like, this is just for me to withstand and to stand my ground. You know, but thanks be to God that God has made available a lot of secrets in his word. The Bible is full of mysteries, guys. A lot of mysteries. Please. You know, and tonight we'll pray about some things. Some prayer points that I believe the Lord wants us to pray into. But if any one of you here tonight feels as if Anytime you read the word, you don't really catch what you're supposed to catch. Sometimes you read a word and it feels as if you're just reading a textbook. Please, before you leave this place tonight, just allow God to release that grace. You cannot keep going on in this walk without encountering the power that is in this word. Oh my God. Oh my God. You cannot carry on in this life. I speak like this because I've come from somewhere. And the word of God. Ah, yeah, yeah. There is only one name. There is only one name with power to save. With power to save. There is only one name. There is only one name with power to save, power to save. Our God is Forevermore.
and he reigns forevermore, forevermore. Hallelujah. Let's all turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Okay, time to, time to preach. Let's, let's preach now. Genesis chapter 1. If you're there, say Amen. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let there be let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so then god made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters are bounded, according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature, according to its, its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, 
each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, my intention was to read all the way to verse 39, but for time's sake, I'll just stop there. But 10 times, 10 times in Genesis chapter one, the Bible said, and God said, someone say, and God said, I need to hear you guys, and God said, 10 times, the Bible says, and God said, we're speaking of a God you see, you get to a point, it says, let there be light. This is a God who, in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible describes God and it says, in him no darkness is found. This is a God who, there's no ounce of shade in him. And yet you find this God in a situation, and you have this God, in whom no darkness is found. A God who is just light. You read Revelations and all these other places and the description of the throne of God is all about light. The kingdom of God is all a talk of light. And yet, a God who in himself is light. A God who is light. He stands one time and he says, let there be light. What's that, what's that all about? For a, for a God, hmm? a God who is light. I mean, doesn't, shouldn't he just appear in the place and then every darkness should be dispelled, right? And yet we have this God. He stands in the place and says, let there be light. And the reason why God makes this introduction into his account of human life. It's very, you know, one revelation I call from it was that this is actually how God meets us in our situations as human beings. This is how he meets us. God comes into or sees us in our darkness, in our place of sunkenness. You know, when, when God called you, when God chose you, when God elected you to do the things that perhaps you're doing now, like I said, me, I have a story. I can stand here all day and tell you about myself, but that's not what tonight is about. You see, God called us from the, the pits of darkness. And when you parallel this with the account of Genesis, in the midst of darkness, he spoke a, a couple words, let there be light. You see, in every dark situation that you're in, 
and every problem that you think you're facing now, that circumstance will never change until you speak. Until you speak towards that situation, until you utter forth some words, this is God who is light. And he had to say, he had to say, let there be light. Amen? So, in every single circumstance that you might find yourself in, every situation, please understand that it's needful for you to speak some words. If God never spoke in the midst of that darkness, although he is light himself, I presume darkness would have still ruled. And so God spoke. He says, let there be light. Someone say, let there be light. Let there be light. You see, God spoke these words just so that he could reposition the things that he had already made. That's why God spoke these words. So every single circumstance that we find ourselves in, I remember we're talking about spiritual warfare. The enemy tends to reposition us, put us in places that we, we never asked to be in the first place. You know, I, I use some as an example. For some of you, perhaps, <laughs> maybe it was never your intention to even come to uni here. We have, you know, we have stories. And it's only by the mercy of God that, you know, the, the results of what you're reaping from now, it's only the mercy of God. Because some, some of these, um, finding yourself in certain places, mind you, not all of them are God-ordained. Amen? Oftentimes the enemy just, without even asking, just repositions you and puts you in a place you never asked to be there. But thanks be to God that there is life in the power of our tongue. And we have the capacity as believers to speak into a situation and see to it that that situation has to budge. Let me give you a, a, a quick um, example, quick story. You see, if it wasn't for my implementation of what I'm speaking to you tonight, I'll probably be in third year right now. I finished uni, thanks be to God. But if it wasn't because of some acting that I had to do and, and, and establishing and implementing my faith, I'll still be a union now. Why am I saying this? Towards the, the, the beginning of my third academic year, I was at my mom's place. And you know, everyone was getting ready to come back to uni and everything. And so was I. I was, I was buzzing last year and everything. And I received one email telling me, oh, 
you're supposed to do a reset with our residents. And then I looked at the email properly and I was seeing a module that I had dropped in first year. I was thinking to myself, where did this come from? You want me to reset something I no longer do, number one. Number two, why are you telling me now? You see, it was for a minor that I had dropped in first year, completely dropped. The email came to me saying, I have to re and reset and revert residence essentially means uh, um, you're not even on, on site. So they expect you to, <laughs> I was talking about one coursework. They expected me to take a whole year out for one piece of coursework, which I was never supposed to do in the first place. But they wanted me to take a year out to do that work and not even be seen on, on, on campus. Initially, I assessed the situation. I said to myself, this must be the will of God because maybe God is calling me into a place where he wants me to be isolated and this and all that stuff. Then I heard the Lord whisper to me. He said to me, speak the word. Oh my goodness. I've never prayed like that in my life. Never fasted like that. Listen, my own mother was petrified. She thought, oh, you know, essentially by the time I'm supposed to come back to uni, it will be too late and this and that. And essentially the whole uni thing will just collapse and whatnot. My mom, every single day, I would see distress on her face. And yet I was telling her, take it easy. Let's all relax. As in everything will be okay. I know the God I serve. Because I had heard God. This is why it's needful for you to know God. Amen? This is why you need to know God for yourself. Don't, don't, don't. Let's not. Let us not rely on the preaching that you hear on these. You know. No, 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 no. It's not enough. Even reading the Bible is not enough. Yeah, I can say that. Because I told you the scripture says you, you read the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And yet, these are the words that testify of me. So you can read the Bible and still essentially not know God. I just want to encourage you, get press. Oh my goodness, press. Press. Don't settle for where you're at spiritually. My heart burns sometimes, even as I'm talking now. I feel, I just feel, I'm not here, it's not theatrics, no. I really mean what I'm saying. Please, don't settle. Don't settle for where you are spiritually. Don't think you know enough of God. You can never know enough of God. Not in this lifetime anyway. Even in eternity, you probably won't. So guys, please press into God. Please press into God. When you know God, there are some, some storms of life that come your way and because you know God, you will hear that gentle whisper that says, peace be still. You see? But when, you, when you're not hearing these words, you start moving erratic. This is where anxiety, fear, all these things, they, they come all at once. And then before you know it, you find yourself in a state of depression and it's all, oh my God. But when you know God and these storms are coming in, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, 
And if you try this and it doesn't work, come, come and let me know. But I guarantee you that you will hear God say to you, peace be still. Peace be still. When Jesus Christ rebuked that, that storm, these are the words that he uttered forth. Imagine, he had to speak the word himself. He rebuked the wind. He says, peace, be still. This is God. He could just snap his fingers or something or just look at the, the, the ocean and it, he says, peace, be still. You have to speak the word, guys. Don't allow the enemy to close your mouth. You know, so I prayed. I prayed like I've never prayed in my life before. And God came through. The same people that messaged me saying to me that, saying to me that I need to <laughs> take a year out. In less than a week, in less than a week, came back to me saying, oh, oh, don't worry, mistake, this, this, that, 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 that. Long stories. You know, and I give glory to God for that. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. So I just want us to just be able to speak the truth of God's word into our situations. Spiritual warfare, there are all manners of spiritual warfare. But that's not what we need to focus on. We need to get to terms and get to grips with how to disempower the enemy. And this is one of the ways, by speaking the words. He spoke, God spoke, Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 4, verse 4, came to him and said, oh, if you're the son of God, this is all everything. He spoke, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. Then he spoke, should not tempt the Lord that God. He had to speak the word, guys. God spoke the word. How much more you? If God has to speak the word for things to happen, how can we just sit in our problems and just expect and hope that the problems will disappear? This thing is not magic, guys. It's not magic. No, no, no. It's not magic. But thanks be to God that he has given us that capacity to disempower the enemy. Amen? Someone says, speak the word. You know, so many examples that um, I can go into, but I'll just paraphrase them more. Another example in the Bible, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus Christ, speaking to his disciples, said, all you have to do is say to this mountain, Listen, pay attention to the words he says. He says, say. Yes, there is a place of saying in prayer, but he actually never even said, mentioned the word prayer. He says, say. There's a time to pray and there's a time to say. Amen? You see, when you read the gospel, you come to find out something very interesting. That Christ, he spent the night praying. And I spend the day declaring clear difference, a clear distinguish 
there must be time for prayer. Yes, I'm never going to underestimate the power of prayer because I've witnessed in my own life the power of prayer. But please understand that there is also a place to declare, to utter forth. A synonym for utterance is declaring. And when you find the definition of to declare is an act of speaking forth, you must speak forth. You must let your words come out. Don't imagine it in your head, no. Let it come out. You know, for time's sake, you know, tonight is, is a, we're going to spend some time in prayer and it's past eight and I, um, I'd just like to apologize for the time. You know, um, but even after this word, I have another something to say towards the very end. But I just want us to spend some time in prayer. Just speaking into your situation. You know your situations. You know your personal situations. But tonight, I want us to, if you're really desperate for something to happen in your life, for that mountain to move, it says, say to the mountain, say that you must speak for the mountain to move. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus meets a Roman centurion. He says, oh, master, master, my, my, my slave, my, my servant is ill, this and that. Long story. Jesus said, let me come to your place so that I can pray for your servant. That man, knowing the power of the spoken word, he says, no, no, no. I'm also a man under authority. All I need is for you to speak the word. You see, there's something that travels faster The spoken word of God is supersonic in speed. The Bible says at the same hour the servant was healed. And that's Matthew chapter 8 verse 8 going. At that same hour that servant was healed. Which means perhaps at the very same time Jesus spoke the word, that very same time the servant was healed. There is power in the spoken word of God. And tonight, as we spend some, some minutes praying, I just want you to just be mindful of these things I'm saying. You see, this is just to prepare us for what God really wants us to do tonight, which is pray. You know, I didn't come here with enticing words, as Apostle Paul said a bunch of jargon and whatnot, not at all. I came here so that we can collaboratively pray into our individual situations and see to it that whatever mountain we are currently experiencing in our lives, it has to move, it has to move. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm tired of some situations in my life. Oh no, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, and I, tonight, I can't leave this place without that thing shifting. Does anyone agree with me? Who says, tonight, I can't leave this place without that mountain moving? I'm tired of some situations. You know, 
And I'm, I'm quite sure it's, it's pretty much the same for all of us, most of us, if not. There are just some situations in your life where for so long, you can tell it's just been crippling your faith, your walk with God. Sometimes you even question God. That's not because God lied to you. That's because the enemy, see what the enemy does very best is corrupt and make perverse that which God has already established. So when God comes and says, Tayo, you're a great man of God. You see, guess what the enemy will do? Tayo will be in his bedroom all by himself and then the enemy will start to bring back to his memory some things of the past. Say to you, don't you remember that time when X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z? Don't you remember that time when you did this, you did that? That's not coincidence. All these things tend to happen when God has said something about you. When God has given you a word of hope. When God has given you a word of prophecy. How many times do you hear a prophetic word declared over your life and then it seems as if God lied. The very next day, two days, a week later, all hell breaks loose. That's not because God lied. That's what I want us to understand. That's simply because the enemy just wants to take away from you your inheritance. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17. And the house of Jacob shall repossess their possessions. If you believe that, shall amen.